Hey everybody, welcome to the Zelda Informer Podcast. I'm Adam, your host as always, and this week I'm joined by two new guests and one familiar face. Um, I'm Karina, I'm an animation major, and nice to meet you all. <laughs> Hello, I'm Rory, I'm a junior uh, writer at Zelda Informer, so I'm happy to be here. Hey there. Last week your gracious host Adam invited me to join this week's podcast once again. With which case, I turned over to him, I stared him deeply in his beautiful Israeli eyes, and I said, shh. I will arrive when it is time. Thanks for having me back. I'm Jake. <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> what was that? I'm sorry you had to hear it's that. It's okay. I'm Jake. <laughs> Strong start. Strong start. I would ask how everybody's doing tonight, but I can imagine that everybody's a little bit confused, as am I. Adam does have beautiful Israeli eyes, though. I, it's hard to say no to him. I really appreciate that. It's Thursday, September 25th. And tonight we're going to be talking about a few things, uh, the recent news that has come out with Smash Bros, along with uh, a few topics regarding game design, which is something that we were getting into uh, last week, but we never really got to go into further detail because we were running late. The thing that I really wanted to talk about today was that uh, Sakurai provided a little more insight into the Smash Bros development, uh, talking about you know which characters got cut and things like that, uh, why certain characters from certain games got added as enemies. Um, and w what one of the things that he was uh, kind enough to talk about was Mewtwo and why fan favorites like him and others were cut from that were in Melee but weren't in Brawl. And uh, apparently they used character models from Brawl in the new game. They just moved them over all the character data. And moving it from uh, games like Melee would have taken too much time, so they just, just cut them out entirely. But that's what's so jarring about it, is that there is like a Mewtwo full 3D model I mean, I guess they don't have the animation files, but it's still a working build, especially if they just wanted to borrow reference material and if they were already making so many newcomers. Because this game does, like, boast a lot of new characters. I wouldn't imagine it'd be that difficult to, like, work with just, like, the pre-existing model, but I guess that's just me. I mean, I wasn't on the development team. And that brings us to, like, another point where uh, a lot of the times in, like, game design, uh, a lot of things have to be changed just because of limitations, um, which is uh, one of the things that I wanted to really discuss uh, games like Destiny really had no limitations set on them because of the massive budget they had and just the, the point that we've really reached. And um, it gives me like a lot of questions as to what we can do as a gaming community in the future with things like uh, Zelda Wii U and um, even just older games being brought like back uh, on emulators and things like that. Yeah, like what you said with Destiny, just with like that huge budget, just I'm still not over how Destiny managed to combine all the aspects of different genres of games, like the whole MMO co-op, you know, first person shooter, like it's literally every kind of game, like in one game. And I was like very impressed with that. Like I still haven't played a lot of it, but I was still just like amazed that they were able to fit all that into one game. Yeah, I, I guess you could really take that for a good or a bad thing, though. Uh, I mean, that's definitely, like, glass half full, but the way I saw it... I, I, I lambasted this game last week. I, I'm not really a fan. Uh, but the thing is, is that, you know, it, it does sound good that they combine so many elements, but on the other hand, it can also look a little bit... I don't want to say cheap, but it's uh, you see, like, the influence from, like, the most popular games from, like, the last five years. It's like yeah, an amalgam. Yeah, yeah. It is like the Captain Planet of, like, the last five years. Uh 
And I guess I wasn't really stoked on that because I was expecting some bold new like direction, like mm -hmm. something I completely hadn't seen, and I didn't really feel that so much. But that's just me. Well, the thing is, we get the same thing a lot of the time with uh, series. And uh, I remember that was the counter-argument, like, why I had my gripes with Destiny and why I didn't have gripes with Zelda games, and they always technically follow the same format, was that it was the same series. It's not uh, a totally new uh, IP, which is what Destiny's supposed to be. Right. But we also have some, like, really interesting changes with Hyrule Warriors being a completely different uh, gaming experience for the average Zelda fan. It's just D Dynasty Warriors with a Zelda cover on it. And, yeah, um, yeah. Um, something I, interesting. Sorry, go ahead. No, go for it. Oh, okay. I was just going to say, something interesting was, um, I believe when Hyrule Warriors came out in Japan, uh, ZI did a stream on it, and the guy who streamed for us had never played a Zelda game at that point. So it was really interesting to see him take like the first step into the Zelda universe, but it was Hyrule Warriors, so it was like a mashup of all the Zelda games, I guess, um, or characters, rather. And I thought that was that was really interesting. I see a lot of people like have the the debate about uh, whether or not which which game in the series is like the best place to start, which place is the best to jump in on. And I hold ground that you really should start with the top down ones. Not not even for any reason other than you should see where the game kind of started. I wouldn't say go back yeah. and play Zelda One because it's pretty difficult for a lot of people and it's kind of bland for most modern gamers. Uh, I would say Link to the Past or Link Between Worlds would be really good starting points. And then from yeah, there... Link, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry? <laughs> I keep cutting you off. Yeah, a Link Between Worlds is, a really, I think, a really great spot for uh, newcomers to the Zelda universe or Zelda series to mm -hmm. start their journey. But then um, I think they should immediately go into Ocarina of Time right after that. Which, despite my lack of interest in the actual game, I uh, still think that it's... Zelda is a game, yeah. Yeah, I think that it, it gives a good um, chain perspective, the, the, the dramatic switch that really affected a lot of fans when it first happened, that we went from this uniform style and pattern, well, not necessarily uniform, let's talk about Zelda 2, uh, <laughs> a completely different kind of game was introduced to us as fans, and uh, it, it really changed the way that we looked at the, uh, the puzzle-solving hero in green. Yeah. Well, a lot of things changed, right? Because you had to push every... Like, if you had to push a block for a puzzle, you had to do it in 3D. Mm -hmm. And there were limitations on what you could do in, in top-down Zelda. You could push the block, and you could see everything around you, but now you had a 3D environment where you don't know what's behind you. Um, and that really adds to the experience, because now it's it's not, okay, I can see everything. It's... yeah you're more in a perspective of the actual hero. Yeah, but at the same time, it's, as you were saying, with, like, something simple as pushing blocks, it's one of those cases where limitations actually help to, uh, to, like... Yeah, I agree with that. ...to heighten the experience, so to speak. I I'm sure everyone here has seen the Ego Raptor bit about this, and he did mention, like, the keys. The keys being, like, infuriating to kill in, like, 3D Zeldas, and that's very true. Oh, God, they're really frustrating. But yeah, the the thing is though is that I I do love 2D games, but I do kind of prefer the 3D ones only because yeah, yeah, I feel oh yeah, like I, get what you mean. I appreciate having a more like one to one experience with with how it would actually be if if that makes sense. I I personally think yeah I personally think the two like 
games anyone should start with if they wanted to start is uh, definitely A Link to the Past and for 3D, even though it's not my favorite Zelda, but I would say Wind Waker. I think that's probably the best 3D one there is just in regards to uh, openness and the controls. Oh god, that C-stick is so <laughs> nice. You don't have that in any of their Zelda. I was waiting for someone to mention Wind Waker to be honest. <laughs> I was yeah. waiting. It's like I didn't want to just charge it there, but I was like, can we talk about Wind Waker for like two seconds? Because that's my favorite Zelda. As long as you don't talk about the art style, Adam should be okay. The art style's so good, but I digress. I love it. The, the art style in that is really interesting because you look at games that were made in, what was it, 2003 or 2002 when it was made? And you look at you look at all the games that that took the direction of how many polygons or I don't even know how good the graphics could look, and you look back at Wind Waker and you see how well it holds up today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's like such a big thing. I'm actually designing a game right now for uh, the Oculus Rift. It's it's not gonna knock anyone's socks off. It's like it's a quick like project game that I'm working on. But one thing we discovered early on is that holy fuck, it's gonna take a lot of work to make all these polygons. We're not we're not. Obvious, obviously, we're trying to do the best we can, but we realize the best thing we should do is not try to like have a bunch of polygons that'll make it look outdated in a few years. Yeah, but do something really special with them. So we're we're having like a lot of vector art effects with it, and it actually looks really, really nice. But that might just be my personal bias. Well, no, no, I I definitely agree with you. Um, another example of a game that takes an art would it be like an art. F- not form, but like an art style. An, an artsy direction. To... I don't know, like an art direction. Like a good art direction. There we go. <laughs> art, yeah, artistic direction. That's that's. Go on, you're not that's going. that's what. Yeah, yeah. So something like that. Another example is I think Braid, um, oh, uh, on God, PC. Yes. It's it's very. It looks like somebody took a paintbrush and painted it all. Yeah, it's and beautiful. That's that's the uniqueness that you're talking about with the game you're making. Um, if you can make something that looks um, unique and yeah, impressive, definitely. then it will hold up. See, the thing is, is that I, I, I really and truly do feel like, as you were mentioning with Wind Waker's graphics being in like 2002, 2003, <laughs> the game came out. Other games around that time, I mean, you look like Charlie's Angels for the GameCube, and that does not help. <laughs> as, as, as Yahtzee Croshaw has, has said about early 3D models, it looks like someone tried to inflate a beach toy by farting into it. Can we say what <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> the thing is, is that I really, as a, <laughs> as a as a student of game design, I, I truly do feel that the pursuit of realism is the fool's errand. Mm-hmm, definitely. And um, like trying to modernize graphics, and we were talking about this last week, and we could talk about it again later because I didn't articulate well enough. I'm not on board with the Majora's Mask remake. I'm not. But we can <laughs> talk about that later. Uh, the thing is, is that. You know, we're going to look at games like Years of War, you know, where they spent, like, 40 years, like, modeling his fucking stupid face. (laughs) And we're going to look back on that and be like, oh, God, that does not hold up. But we're going to look at something that tried to do something in face of limitations, like Braid or Wind Waker, and we're going to be like, okay, this is what holds up. Mm -hmm. Even pixel art. Pixel art really doesn't age. I mean, 8-Bit Link still looks charming, Yeah, if you you see what I mean. Charming is a good word. Pixels versus polygons, man. That's that's what it comes down to. Polygons, you have to do something with with you know. I mean, the thing is, is that we're always going to find better processors. Like every new console generation, it isn't so much that we weren't able to have that many polygons before, but it's that the technology at hand couldn't render or process that much. So every new generation lets you do a little bit more. So the, the as I was saying, and I guess I'm talking in circles. <laughs> It really comes down to doing special with, like, the tools you're given, with the art style you want to well, present. our limitations back then, even with the, the uh, hardware limitations, 
it really does, I mean, the saying goes, you know, uh, limitations open up creativity, and in this case, it really did. We didn't really explore as many people as we did characters, like monsters and uh, animals and things like that. We're the main character for a very long time, or just like a spaceship, and uh, it relied on the player to really identify with the, the game and to, to form their own connection, and it was more about the actual uh, gameplay, but I think it's a fool's errand to say we should stick go, try to go back to those glory days where it was all about the game and the, the, the art style was limited and things like that because they're not limited anymore. You can't recapture a feeling of limitation, uh, boundless creativity through the limitation without the limitation in there in the first place, you know? Exactly. Pride. So, like, when, when games like VVVVVV or, or whatever it's called, like... I respect the art style it's going for, but it, it's not. It still isn't. Well, because you can't uh, entirely you can't do that anymore. I think it's it's not worth the effort. I mean, it's good to stick to what you wanted to do, and be and that game in particular. I don't yeah. want to attempt saying it. Um, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I really do like the game, but the art style is trying to. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's trying to be something that once was. Yeah, uh, exactly. So where does that where does Shovel Knight fit into all this? Do you, would you guys say? Well, Shovel Knight, we Shovel Knight fits, uh, I think, into the the uh, the homage, where it's not totally exactly what a game back then would have been, but it it mm-hmm. does kind of the parts. yeah because any NES games didn't have parallax scrolling like you couldn't yeah. like you couldn't it do a lot of those the things. the parts that were good. It, it it exactly systematically, and I've spoken to the artist. It systematically captures the things that really made those uh, the, those art styles shine. And it really, it really does show. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, um, I did an interview with him once for another gr- another uh, site, and you can just hear the passion in his voice behind everything that he uh, was putting into that game, uh, whether it was uh, DLC, whether it was the, the special things for people on their Kickstarter, like butt mode, um, <laughs> to uh, what the future could be for the game. They even talked. He even joked with me. Uh, for a bit, like uh, possibly making like a shovel knight kart racing game, which I thought was really neat. Um, and That's he was uh, sincerely excited for those possibilities, and I really do appreciate that, knowing that a lot of passion is going into it. It's not about just like, oh, I need to have this kind of game because it looks this certain way and it reminds me of my childhood. It's more like I want to pay respect to the things that I really loved when I was a kid. And I know that might sound the same, but it's not exactly the yeah. same. See, the thing is, is that you can't call someone, like, nostalgia-blind. And by the way, I hate that term. Over mm-hmm. games like Super Mario Bros. 3 or, or Mega Man, you know, because those are actually great games. And Shovel Knight did take the best from those, and, you know, it, it did take a lot of creative liberties, too, that I respect. They worked really, really hard to, uh, you know, keep it within the NES color palette. Uh, but they did say they had to add two additional mm-hmm. colors, but you hardly notice. And also, uh, even the sound for the game, you know, like, just, just the, the music, the... They said that they didn't use the typical NES, like, you know, soundboard. Instead, they used, like, what was in, like, the Famicom-only, like, Castlevania 2, like, that, the sound card they had in that, because that did sound a lot more clear. And, uh, like, it, it, I, I really, really do admire that. Because it, it is by no means, like, easy to make something look deliberately retro. It, it still takes a lot of work. Accurate? Yeah. I mean, it was still it was still accurate, because they're not technically limited to... The, the specific console's hardware. They're not limited to that specific model, but yeah, they can yeah, yeah. capture the feel of a generation of gaming as opposed to just 
one specific system. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Shovel Knight is truly amazing. I just, I just love it. Yeah, I liked you saying that they were just doing uh, yeah. Shovel Knight like it was an homage instead of just quote unquote nostalgia blind, because a lot of games do. It. And like going back on like the art thing, because um, I'm like really into uh, different art directions and everything. Yeah. And um, like you said, you know, things that look really realistic right now are probably going to look really crappy right now. And I learned in my class, you know, about the Uncanny Valley thing. And, like, in film, in animated film, they try to make it look as realistic as possible, but it was creepy. And so now it's just you either do something that's 100% super realistic, which is very challenging, or you do a yeah. more cartoony style. Yeah, that's the big problem they, uh, the Japanese have with robots. Yeah. Is, uh, like, I think that's where that the theory originated, actually, might have been from Japan. Because... That's exactly where it originated from. But it's like with <laughs> Wind Waker. Like, Wind Waker's will, I look still looks amazing, and it will always look amazing because it's in such a really cute, cartoony form. It's like with Mickey Mouse, like the classic Mickey Mouse cartoons. Those will always look good, minus, like, the grainy film. But it'll always look cute and really good because of the art style and things with simple art styles are just really nice directions will always hold up. Like I think that journey will always hold up. Shout out to my favorite game. But but then if you go and look at Oblivion, you're like you just laugh at everything because everyone looks stupid. It's it's like Look at Morrowind. Morrowind oh is even worse. Morrowind Of course the game. No, like even if you already look at Skyrim, it looks atrocious. Although, didn't the PC version have, like, this this patch or, like, add-on content that... Uh, no, mm-hmm. people... Uh, the, the cool thing is that a lot of people were able to add on content or Steam Workshop. Yeah. Like, so that... And so a lot of people have added better textures and better packages to... Uh, yeah, but that's... To more realistic... That's so much work, though, and it's just... You know, like, Oblivion is a fantastic game, but it looks terrible, and I will continue to say it looks terrible. It looks horrible. It's, like... Oh my god, it's a joke. Yeah, it's it's now. one of the cases where like the value definitely decreases over time by like mm-hmm. by the things it has and, to compare itself to now. And Yeah, uh, no, it's not only that. It's not even just like what they have to compare themselves to. I mean, it kind of is because, mm-hmm. you know, we've been like we're now constantly shoved in our face like all these really great, beautiful, realistic-looking games. Like Infamous Second Son was my first next-gen mm-hmm. game and I almost like peed myself when that opening cinematic turned up. I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm losing my mind. It was like an old person like first using like a telephone. I don't know. It was crazy. I felt like Alexander Graham Bell. It was insane. I'm I'm using that analogy. Okay. I'm using that. Analogy. Let me ask you an, an honest question. Yeah. I, I I did say on last week's podcast. I have a PS4, and the big problem I have right now is every single game I own is also on the PS3. So I'm mm-hmm. I'm like a little disgruntled. I played the first Infamous, and I really couldn't get into oh, it. Yeah, like yeah. I played, I'd say like maybe the first hour of it. I, I it just like I don't I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't. I hated the opening, and I know that's that's probably my personal opinion. I, I just didn't like that you know out of nowhere explosion that yeah. we're asked to identify with this like random dude on a bike. But, uh, so it really did taint my opinion of, like, the future games. Like, everyone's like, oh, yeah. Infamous 2, dude, you gotta play. I'm like, okay. the first one didn't really... Is Second Son worth my time? Because I've heard people say it is not as good as okay, the second. Okay, this is, like, such a good conversation. Oh my god, I'm so excited. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I am exactly in your shoes with the first Infamous game. I played it, and I am insane with finishing missions, and I like to 100% games. Like, I get 
obsessed with it. It's terrible. I blame Sly Cooper for everything. Sly Cooper, Spire the Dragon. Don't yeah, give me, me gems. Too. Don't give me balls. Don't give me collectathon games. I will lose <laughs> my damn mind. But I'm surprised you got their Wind Waker then. Oh, don't know. Stop. I was like. I was like Charles Darwin exploring the Galapagos Islands. And I, was <laughs> terrible. I I couldn't get through Wind Waker because of that. I just I was just like I didn't want to go on fetch quests that much. Oh, I did. <laughs> See, the thing is, with, before you get back to Infamous, there's one quick thing I want to say about Wind Waker. I I really been like thinking long and hard about the Infamous like final Triforce quest, and the thing is, is that that's the most criticized part of the game, but it's criticized, but that's. The thing is, is people criticize modern Zelda games because they're very linear and they require you to do this. But that's the only part of the game that requires you to go venture out and explore on your own. Like, the only yeah, way I, I ever managed it. to go through all the islands is because of that part. You don't have to go through every island, obviously. But it, you, you were required, or like, you were encouraged during that part of the game to just explore the world in front of you. So I'm, I've always been thrown off as to why people didn't like it. I'm like... Well, the thing is, is that it's like... You're given... Think of it like this. You are taken to the park by your parents. And okay. your parents are like, here's a bunch of stuff, go out, have fun. Or, your parents take okay. you to the park, same amount of stuff, but then they're like, by the way, go on a scavenger hunt. You have to finish that before you go home. Why? Why do I have to do that? Why I do guess, I have to finish this scavenger hunt? I guess that's a good I don't want to finish this. I want to go explore. I want to go pick up bugs mm-hmm. and look oh, at them yeah. and I feel oh, yeah. like yeah, that's why I it's like, things on my own. You know, you have to do it, but it's also kind of part of the story. I don't know, it didn't bother me that much because if you tell me to just go find stuff in an open world environment, I'll be like, okay, and just walk my happy ass around the entire map and be like, this is fantastic. I games love everything. Like, uh, <laughs> games like Banjo-Kazooie were all about the different items that you collected. Um, that was the whole point of the game. I wouldn't necessarily call them worthless items, but they were... Mm-hmm. The, the game was a giant fetch quest. That was the entire point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But people really Yeah, the game it, was built around you finding things, things, though, so it was fine with, you know, for what it is. It pulled it off in a way that yeah. Wind Waker didn't for most people. So some people... Also, just, like, one thing with, like, before I forget, because my attention span is crappy, and we got, like, really off of, like, the infamous thing, but just, yeah, we yeah, will, yeah. we have to get back to that, but anyway. Yeah. Like, speaking of Banjo-Kazooie <laughs> go on, and, go on, like, Sly Cooper and, like, Collectathon games, um, and, like, the whole nostalgia thing, I just have, like, one game I really want to talk about. It's, like, it got greenlit a long time ago, it got kickstarted, you know, yada, 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 and it's in development still, because I would be, like, dying if it was out already, but I just want to talk about it later, but... Yeah, continue. Just okay. well, I guess, okay. Thank you for bookmarking that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, bookmarks. <laughs> but what I was gonna say though is that I, I feel like people criticize it, but it's a lot like the first Zelda game where you're given such like minimal context as to what you're supposed to do and where you're supposed to be going. You know, you just you knew that by default you're gonna have to explore to figure out what to do next. Like there's this very particular part I remember that that took me forever, forever when I was a kid. Uh, there's one of the islands where one of the treasure charts is, like, underneath this, like... It's a it's a shipwreck graveyard that's, like, underneath one of the islands. <gasps> that's the worst! But there are two of them. Oh my them. god! <laughs> so, when I saw the first one, I was like, where? where? I don't know... Like, I, I kept, like... I, I managed to, like, glitch around and explore that, that, like, really desolate area. And I felt like it was really underappreciated, like, the work that went into something like that. But that... That's not the point. The point is, is that I had to keep looking. I, I was required to, like, explore the islands and, you know... 
I, like we said last week, the mundanity yeah. argument could be made in just about any single game ever. But I, I feel like it really works within Wind Waker because it did exactly what the first Zelda game did, and nobody criticized that. I mean, the first Zelda game, you can get the very first sword without even going to the first dungeon. And it's nice to see, like, a game kind of lean more towards that direction. Uh, and that's, you know, people complain about Skyward Sword, but people complain a lot about that one segment where you're required to well, go explore and do your own thing. It's, so it's funny, that's why we I, had Skyward Sword. I do such a linear clusterfuck. At the same time, I hold my guns with, the, uh, with how I feel about Wind Waker versus Link Between Worlds, which is really, really... Uh, choose your own way of going about the adventure, like it's ultimate freedom, as 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 good as they can make it, without uh, making it so that you have everything from the start. They make it an actual like, you choose which order to do the dungeons in. You get to pick the items that you want. There's an interesting relationship between you and the items, where it's not about collecting uh, bombs. It's more about getting magic, and it makes it it gives it a more mystical feel as opposed to the. Uh, uh, sort of realistic feel of having to like have bombs at the ready like okay I have 10 bombs and I need like 5 for the boss I, I can only use 5 right now in this dungeon you know it yeah I did really like that you, you know never really having to worry but you have to yeah. like manage your and time I, and like and I you do know. really like the uh, that was pretty clever there's another thing I that, forgot about that, that Link Between Worlds really did which is the uh, the gimmick of that game which is every Zelda game has its own gimmick if you want to call it that where you get to become a painting in the wall which is really yeah. cool because it really is like a mm -hmm. it's kind of <laughs> a ref it's kind of like a like a you could think of it as a little bit of an homage to Zelda 2 um, without ever getting into that they they talked just the uh, how the, uh, so you're you're going to explain that. Just, like, <laughs> how it looks is similar in my eyes and uh, they talked about they they would have actually added yeah, I see that. to the game, but they said it would have been too complicated. And it would have changed a lot of things. Um, so it it, uh -huh. it oh yeah, there is one. They kind of do, do for have the two D combat, but that Go comes uh, like that's a, that is one moment in the entire game where that actually happens. Very um, late in the game, like. But you yeah, you get really a feel of like I can do things that I never thought were possible. Where you 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 see a room and you, you the relationship between you and the room changes entirely. Where things that were limiting, like walls before, are now new possibilities, and that's that's insane to me that they that they were able to do that mm -hmm. so well in a way that didn't seem forced. Yeah, yeah. A link between worlds is really interesting because of that mechanic, where you can go on any wall. Um, there's very there's very very little um, space. For where you aren't able to perform the wall shift, um, yeah. So in a link between worlds, when you have that second nature, it's very interesting because when I played the game my first time, um, yeah, my first mm -hmm. time because it was so good. <laughs> um, I I got into a lot of roadblocks because it wasn't second nature to me at that point. I was trying to do everything from the top down perspective I wasn't using the mechanic that was built into the game and I think there's a part where you have to shift onto the wall to go to the Zora's domain and I was stuck on that for like hours because I I yeah because I, I wasn't thinking about how useful the mechanic that I had was 
Yeah, and like even the part where the the guy who runs away from you in Kikariko Village. Yeah. By the way, is that how you pronounce it? Uh, like, is it Kikariko or Kakariko? Kakariko is how I say it. I say Kikariko, but anyway, there's that running guy, and I, I, because like I know from Links to the Past, you're supposed to catch him with the Pegasus boots, but you don't have that. So I like it took me forever. I was like, what if I snuck up on him? And then I did, and the an- like the answer was so unbelievably under my nose. But you felt clever. You, f- you felt yeah. like you... Except I didn't because I looked it up. Oh. Well, I looked it up and I felt really clever. And, and that was great because I, I usually I never feel clever in a Zelda game. I just feel dumb. Um. <laughs> well, it, it, it actually felt like um, you were doing something. It wasn't like a puzzle that you knew from the yeah, last Zelda game, right? You just walk right? in the room and say, oh, I'm um, going to use this. It, it yeah, was something yeah. new. It requ- yeah, it's not, okay, I'm going to go into the room, I need X to do Y. It was, yeah, yeah. That, you know that, what I mean? Like, that that whole on. mechanic changed the dynamic of the game. And right, I had to do that, uh, that old Zelda sin, though, of, like, literally getting, like, just using every item at the thing to, like, the to figure out Zelda, what it was, and then uh, still solution. not figuring it out. Throw everything you have at it. <laughs> it's like one of those, like, escape the room games where you're just like I don't know where I'm going like those old like oh, new the, grounds uh, flash the escape games, room games? Like, I escape used to love rooms. those I still do <laughs> yeah it's like that and it, you're just like you have no idea what to do so you're just using everything it's like maybe this screwdriver to this desk will do something maybe this potato to this wall will do something I am desperate I haven't slept in two days <laughs> One one thing I, I think would is kind of like a, a cool question is to ask, is the mechanic of um, the mechanic of like shifting into the walls, is that like its own item? Or is it a mechanic? Well, Ravia's bracelet is something that is easily overlooked. Um, which is which was clever. It was just kinda like, oh, here's an old bracelet, and it's like, alright, whatever. But then when it comes into play it's like, oh, and it really does, uh, in the end of the game, you start to, you get, like, a really good picture of how complex these people are, whereas at the beginning, a lot of characters seem simple. It's and both. Just, uh, one-sided. One-dimensional characters, boring, but not really interesting, more like, oh, look, it's, uh, this character, and he's flamboyant, and that's it. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, one-dimensional, like, boring... Well, like your classic uh, Dragon Quest Final Fantasy character where you talk to them and they say the same exact same thing over and over and over again. They have no personality. They yeah, have no... that's that's why I like Tingle and everyone else. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to say I'm uh, the, the anti of Zelda fans, but like all the things that I like, everyone else hates. Like, I don't mind <laughs> Tingle. Because... Like Mask and Wind Waker. <laughs> well, that's just you. You hate everything <laughs> that isn't a link to the past. No, I'm saying because those are popular <laughs> opinions. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do love that game uh, for, yeah. for, like, massive, massive reasons, but we'll talk about that another time. But, uh, yeah, like, because I think about characters in Wind Waker, like, who the fuck remembers that one lady who owns the pigs? Nobody even knows her name, but you know someone like Tingle. Yeah. Was the pig lady, like, that was on, like, your home thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Gig- See, you, you don't even remember, like, where she is. <laughs> on... Yeah, like your home, and then, you know, there's that big black pig, and of course, right, you see it, you're like, I'm gonna punch that, and then it punches you back. Yeah, yeah it's like, 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 messes the pig, the pig messes with you. 
Oh I God. did like that uh, Wind Waker HD did give you a, uh, a hero mode to start out with that didn't require you to beat the game. But the big problem I find with hero modes, though, is that they're only hard during the beginning. Because later on in the game, you have more hearts, you you can, like, get potions and fairies, and, like, maybe by the end of it, it's, it's like, it's it, it doesn't even matter when you get hit. Whereas, like, the first dungeon, I was like, oh, God, yeah. I got hit again. Like, the actual genuine panic, because there wasn't hearts to, re- to replenish. But, yeah... Um, by the way, Karina. Yes. Infamous. Oh my god. It is... <laughs> I like how this... Sell me on Infamous. This conversation, this entire thing, is just my entire bite. So I'll go from point A to, like, J, and then I have to come... And I have to, like, crawl my way back to A. Infamous. Okay, so, you know, I was in your shoes. I played Infamous 1, and, you know, yeah, yeah, liked it. Collectathon, whatever, losing my mind. <laughs> there. Recap. Quick recap. Um... <clears throat> Um, I am almost done with it. I still haven't finished it, so, you know, my opinion might be kind of invalidated because of that, but whatever. Listen. (laughs) I just, um, I didn't like it that much. I kind of got bored of it. Like, I hated having to keep reclaiming territory from, like, the evil guys. I even forgot what their name was, but I hated that. And just, Cole is so bored. Yeah, that- Cole- it's so second nature in uh, in sandbox games that whole like oh capture this territory now you don't have to be on guard yeah and when you're, you're just here. like, like Nicki Minaj, does that a lot. Minaj on the Anaconda cover squatting just like this is my oh, turf like Cole, and that's pretty that's much just, it that's that's a person case I I really got to know him throughout <laughs> I... the first two games and he became like when mm-hmm. they announced that uh, the ending that would take place was the ending where Cole died. Spoiler for a game that's been out for a mm-hmm. long enough time that that shouldn't. Damn yeah. it, Adam! You, what have you, you done? Take... Yeah, so whatever. No, I'm a monster. Uh... <laughs> I mean, if you play Infamous Second Son, you kind of figure it out because it, it just it's happens. like it's like, like partially like... canon. Well, it's, spoiler, it's kind I guess. of a plot, a part of. <laughs> yeah, it's like that little DLC, happened. Cole's Legacy, and it's like, by the way, and it's like, oh, okay, whatever, I don't care. Cole's Legacy, like, do you, do you play as him, or... No. Like, you get a jacket. Yeah, it, it's Jacket Ooh. Quest 2014. Ooh, DLC! Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> it's the Hot Topic Adventure of the Year. Um, <laughs> 10 out of 10. I just did it for clubs. I don't like Cole. He was really bored to me. Cole? And just, I'm so big on, like, character development and, like, yeah, well-rounded yeah. characters. Like, that's well, such a big thing to me, and that can make... Story can make or break a game for me, and just a few other things, of course. But story is such, like, for me personally, a really big thing, which is why, like, because like game, games like Watch Dogs <gasps> and, and the first Infamous, like you said, like character development, like being, it's it's super important that you like you give something, like in mm-hmm. those first fifteen minutes, like Wind Waker starts, bam, he's exhausted, it's he's so, lazy. There you like, go, you got that to identify. Yeah, with. and then like Watch Dogs is just literally. I'm gonna talk like this for the entirety of the game. They killed my niece. And like Cole is just bored. Well, he's he a college dropout. Me. He's a care. He's a delivery boy. That's his job. But not he's even like delivery. loser in the in the sense that the second and son dude is, where he just seems like a punk. You know, Cole, like he doesn't really know how to keep his own life together. It's more. It's a. It's a subtle sort of character development. I really appreciate that because it's more. It's more reminiscent of film as opposed to theater, Identify which I with think me. that's more your speed. Where it's like yeah, he's lazy. Let's show him being lazy. Bam! It's more the way that he speaks. Really, I would digress with that because in my one of my film classes, we talked about 
um, giving as much information in a scene as possible, like, in the beginning to really show characters, and just, you know, you can be subtle about it, but then, in the beginning, but then, you know, like, expand upon it later on. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to say a single word. Exactly, like, I think of Wind, uh, Wind Waker 2, Adam often says that he hates the Ocarina of Time Link, like, that is his least favorite incarnation, and I, I do understand, <laughs> like, in, in the, He's in the, the classic job. He's in the, in, I, I, hang on, Adam. In, in the classic, like, three, three-part story, <laughs> uh, part one, you know, you have the inciting incident, but there's also something really important that's called the, uh, the refusal of the call. And he doesn't yeah. ever do that in, in Ocarina of Time. He, like, sits up immediately. You know from the beginning he was taunted by not having a fairy. He's an outcast. But the first thing he does is he just sits up and he's like, oh, hey. And, and he just, I don't know. And, like, when the Great Decker mm-hmm. tells him what to do, there's no hint of, like, refusal or fear or anything. The closest thing you get is him, like, backing away from Saria or Saraya, but... That's just that's a fear really of women. A lot. Whereas, like, Wind Waker Link... The first segment of the game, where like you're right as you're boarding the pirate ship, you know, you see he wakes up lazily, he goes, he puts on the clothes, and he clearly is not feeling it. And then he like gets on that gets on that boat, and there's so much expression as he waves goodbye to his grandmother, like, and all the way towards like the end of the prologue where he meets the the ship, uh, the King of Red Lions, and he tells him, "You are gonna mm-hmm. have to go through a lot of hardship before you can save your sister. Are you okay with that?" And he does that slow but confident nod. There's so much development in that character, and he never says a single word. Like, that's that's really on you. Yeah, but talking about, like, story and no dialogue with, like, art style, like, very expressive things, like... I've already mentioned it once, but I gotta mention it, like, 500 more times, because it's just so far. Just, like, just, like, journey. Oh, my God. Like, literally, no dialogue. There's no real... English, like all the story, if any of you guys haven't played it, the story is told through tapestries of when you pray and you have like a confluence with like a god. And it's all silent. Well, not silent, there's music playing. Soundtrack, Grammy nominated, fantastic. Go listen to it, go buy, go get the vinyl. I don't care, just do it, support it. (laughs) But just, it's such a good story. And there's this one part of the game where at the end you're about to actually go to the mountain like it is towards the end of the game and it's like you're at the final part but the god recounts your like from where you began like your very humble quote-unquote humble beginnings all the way to like your trials to where you got now and then it shows like where you're going to be going and it's basically like it's going to be hard but like you can do it and it's a very subtle thing and it's really expressed with no words no facial no nothing it's mostly expressed in the music and i swear i've played that game four times and every time i get to that part i just start crying i get so emotional i'm like getting emotional right now i want to die i hate this game <laughs> would, would you would you hate me if i told you i never finished journey oh my god i i don't i think that- i got up to the part where you do like the sand surfing and then you fall in that dark chasm and then i was like uh, then I then I like turned I it off. I remember that part of the game. I remember yeah, playing that yeah, game. I kind of got dipped by the people. Mm-hmm. I I didn't own the game, but oh a friend God, of mine just, owned I, it. And, and he, I was like, "Can I play Journey now?" Because I've been asking to be able to try that game out for weeks. Because I've heard so many good things about it. I heard so many things mm-hmm. like, as a as, like, as an artist, you would really like this kind of game. It's very it's geared towards people who don't just need the gameplay to be good. They need oh, they they look for more out of a game. Um, and the gameplay is fun. It really is fun. It's weird, but it's fun. Mm-hmm. 
I highly encourage every single person in the universe to play this game because even if you don't like it, it's just a good experience to have. Even if you're just a person that really needs like hard gameplay, it's just a nice experience with like kind of an open-ended story, but it's like open to interpretation, but not really. I don't know. It's like a weird mix. It's just beautiful and like I said, that's the game where like the art style is gonna hold up forever because it's very simple, and but at the same time it's very complex because I also own like the concept art book and it just goes through Game the process really has reached of that point where it's, what they it's had to do and they did more and more and complex. And very complex. And, uh, like there's one thing that I I've noticed in the trailer just, oh, for Zelda Wii U that I didn't oh, really yeah. see much, many people talk about, but I would really like to get more discussion on. Um, it's the bow. I know there's been a lot of talk about the bow. But there hasn't been as there there hasn't been the right kind of conversation that I've been wanting to have. Where I feel like that's going to be the gimmick in the game. Play it on me. In the sense that he's going to be. I've said this before. I've, I can go on yeah, record yeah. now and say again. Uh, I think that Link's archery skills are on par with his swordsmanship, if not m- almost more important for him to be a good archer. Yeah, yeah. Like it's the, it's definitely one of his most like important elements. It's, it's very much like a samurai where he he needs to be a good archer before he's a good swordsman because. Mm-hmm. Swordplay is not as vital for his style of fighting, which is to be clever, keep his distance, use his, his tactics. Yeah. And then the sword is like a last-ditch effort to get in close. Like, I mean, if you well, you even see that in the in the trailer itself. You see him; he's got to be reserved, not reserved. He's got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no room for mistake, and that kind of goes along with what you're saying about the bow. Um, and how he has to plan out what he's going to do and stuff like that. And uh, I think that it would be really cool to see um, uh, an arsenal based on his bows, different arrowheads and things like that, where he's quickly going through like a, a wheel of options where he's like, all right, bomb arrow, fire arrow, you light mean arrow. Like a, like a weapon wheel? Yeah. That'd be awesome. They, had, really quickly, and they did have be... one in Skyward Sword, but I wasn't crazy. I, I don't know. I, I liked... It was a little I mean, bit strange. Give or take. Some people like the ability to pause and, like, you know, have that second to, like, plan it out. But then, like, in Skyward Sword, they didn't let you do that. You had to be, like, on the dot, like, with the, the weapon wheel. No, yeah. man. Like, even potions, you had Oof. to drink in real time. Mass, Mass Effect uh, which... uh, was very good about the way that it handled weapon wheels. And that it was, like, it would slow down the scene. Um, but, like, yeah. if you remember okay. the weapon wheels, I like that. you could just instantly go to Yeah, I, it became second nature to me. It was muscle memory at that point. So. Yeah, and it made you feel like it really made right. you feel like you were deciding what to do at a split second. Mm-hmm. And I really do appreciate as much as like some people say, oh, it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't punish you as much for you know taking your time and things. I think it's really cool to be able to have that slow motion kind of thing where it's like you're thinking a thousand things in a split second of what you need to do. Like, okay, I could take out this gun, I could take out that gun, I could use this item, I could use that item, I could try to uh, make a steady retreat or try to push forward into the, into the enemy line. Games like uh, Hyrule Warriors really do take advantage of the different items that you have at your disposal by making different playstyles out of it. Yeah, I hope so, dude. Because that that game comes out tomorrow, and uh, you know I play the demo a lot of GameStop, and I have fun with it. And here's the thing: I've never really played any of. I'm not a huge fan of Tecmo Koei or Koei. Te- I I don't know what it is, but I'm I'm really not a fan of them, and I, I haven't played Dynasty Warriors before. But it feels like it's mm-hmm. too easy. Like I, I know the point of it is supposed to, you're, it's supposed to be a power trip, but I barely got hurt. So like when you see you're gonna have so many hearts, like by the end of it, it's like 
Is there room for actual challenge, or am well, I just gonna be like mashing like enemies are the not X exactly the time. as uh, into the combat as you are? Uh, it's it's more like you know you're slow, you're slashing through hordes, and you're you're supposed you're more like a special forces unit. Like you can deal with pretty much any yeah. ground infantry you need to, but your your main job is to be there and deal with the uh, the important uh, missions. And I think that the game is gonna really later on levels punish you for taking your time and dealing with things that are not your job. It's more about like, you know, you have a job on the battlefield despite your initial convictions. And I think that's kind of interesting because it paints Link in a new light where it's like he has to think on a grander scale. It's still the tactician that we all know and love, but it's a grander scale than he's ever had to deal with before. So it still keeps everything in line and I think it's going to be a cool addition to the series. I, I do love it. I do support it. I, I said before, but it's worth saying again with you all that um, as I, as I get older, and especially with Nintendo right now, sometimes I don't just buy a game because I enjoy it, but because I support it. And I really respect N- Nintendo's like approach to like solving some of their third party problems because, as we all know, like everyone's slowly backing away. Activision, who was like, "We're gonna keep supporting the Wii U," <laughs> like we're just gonna, and I really applauded them for that. But now they're they backed away too, and Ubisoft is like crapping out Watch Dogs. And then that's that's the last of that, uh, except for like your just dance and like you know your simple stuff. But the thing is, is that Nintendo giving the 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 green light to let other companies or studios use their properties with their own games, like like we talked about Pokemon Tekken last week. I think that's brilliant. I think it's an amazing way that like third party studios and internal Nintendo can like really really help like have other developers want to develop for this thing. Because I don't, I don't play Tekken and I don't play Dynasty Warriors, but I like Zelda and I like Pokemon. You know, yeah. um, I think it's it's a very unique approach. Um, it also makes me a little sad that Nintendo has to go out of their way to make that effort. Um, it makes me sad that they have to do that. I'm impressed that they do do that, though. That they take that step and approach the other party, the third party developers. I'm impressed that they do that. But it makes right. me sad to see that they have to go out of their way to do it. Yeah, and uh, 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 Nintendo really has been getting a lot better with their willingness to go beyond what is their comfort zone is, especially with the kind of company that they are. Uh, recently, they announced that uh, a couple hundred stores, I don't know if it's a couple hundred or a hundred, specifically GameStops, will be uh, hosting the qualifiers for the open tournament for Super Smash Bros., uh, four, and that's something that, for Nintendo, even with the initial tournament that happened a couple months ago, it's still for them new. It's something for them that's not. It they may have done something similar in the past, not on the same scale, but it's still not their usual ground. They're they're becoming more willing to try things out, not conform to the market, but more listen to it and see what they can do to better relate to the consumer yeah it, it just yeah. yeah they're definitely like like approaching like they're 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 really down they're to getting earth rid of their, their pride which right is now. i mean it's been very they're, they're not being so stubborn about yeah, everything I mean, their pride is is part yeah. why they became such a good company why they had the quality the nintendo seal yeah. of approval was a very big deal when it came out because it was like but they right but the problem like with that which we obviously can see is that they don't like to when they do something wrong they blame it on something yeah. else they they don't they don't stay accountable for when they make a mistake 
Um, and that's that, that kind of comes along for it, um, which is which kind of sucks, but. I don't know. It I think Nintendo's a pretty apologetic company. I mean, like, that, that whole thing that happened, like, Pokemon Bank having to be delayed. Like, Iwata, the infamous, like, please understand. Oh, yeah. Like, they, they, they acknowledge when, they, when they're doing things wrong. And, like, Nintendo openly stating, you know, like, coming clean with a lot of things they're doing wrong. Like, you said earlier that you felt bad that they have to approach third parties like this. I don't. Because it, uh, because it gives me, as a consumer, a quality experience that is, like... That is like directed towards me. Like I said earlier, I don't like Dynasty Warriors, but I'm gonna play right. out of this game. See, I'm a big Zelda guy, so for me, I didn't. When I first saw Hyrule Warriors, I wasn't excited about it very much. It just looked like hack and slash, and I'm not into that kind of game so much. And so yeah, when I saw Hyrule Warriors and I watched the development process and all the good stuff that came out of it, I got a little bit hyped up on it. And it, it got me a little excited, but I'm still yeah, hey, very, it, very skeptical on going out and buying it. Um, it did get some really glowing, like, reception on the showroom floor at E3. Yeah. Like, I, I like, the obviously, I saw the Nintendo Direct where it debuted, like, that last December, and I was like, oh, whatever, I'll get it. It doesn't, I don't know. But, but like, after seeing it at E3, I was like, oh, I can play this. <laughs> I Heck can do yeah, this. that's what I want Oh, my do. God, I want all these characters that's, in here now. That's cool about like, it, and that's, like, what... <laughs> <laughs> I'm skeptical because it's hack and slash, but I'm really excited because you can play as Midna, you can play as all these characters that have taken a backseat to Link, um, and I think that's very it interesting. An interesting perspective to the uh, cast that makes up Hyrule, the the colorful cast that's yeah. actually surprisingly balanced in terms of like you can play as ha! Agatha gender and ethnicity kid. and identity and things like that. <laughs> it's very spread out, which is something that like. Some people complain about. I don't necessarily oh, yeah. complain about it as much as others do, um, but it's like something that they just did. It it didn't. It wasn't uh, a choice based on like, oh, we need to have this sort of thing. They just yeah. have done it yeah. with their yeah. characters. They've just ex- they've just explored different perspectives, mm-hmm. which is what the entire adventure idea is about. You know, meeting different people, going to different places, finding new people. It's Link is a loner, mm-hmm. and um, he doesn't necessarily get to interact with enemy, as many people. Link to the past, Link between worlds you don't ever really talk to people. Like, you talk to people at times, but for the most of your journey, you're going to be alone. You're going to be talking to yourself. You're going to be by yourself in a strange land with enemies around you all the time. But at the same time, you do meet an interesting face or two along the way, and you do learn what it's like to live uh, in each society that makes up the, uh, the country. Yeah, that's one thing I've always liked about the Zelda games. It's just, like, the diversity of not only the different species... And whatnot, but also the different genders, and then just not even genders, but it's like everything. It's like body type. Like there'll just be like buff, right. like buff ladies that are like just carrying barrels, just like going along. It feels real. It feels like a, a real breathing, cohesive world. Yeah, that's one thing that I've always just really liked about Zelda. And like throughout my years, I've always just like kind of you know dipped in and out of like really being into it to, like being out of it like when Charlie yeah. I like but, came out like little 13 year old me or whatever was like oh my god and then I dipped out of it and then you know just stuff like that you know, you know like but, it's it's awesome because like it does have such a diverse cast and I remember at E3 back when like 
uh, Ubisoft got in a lot of got a lot of heat because the new Assassin's Creed is just like four white interchangeable oh, dudes. Oh my god! Don't and they just like yeah! their their response. They just yeah! into a microphone and made it way way worse on no, themselves. No, that's like. But then like Nintendo stepped in and they were like, "Yeah, Hyrule Warriors. Uh, we're very proud of the diverse female cast." No, that's we have. something yeah. that I'm very. That's something I'm like very into and very kind of angry but also passionate about with like the current game industry is the lack of diversity uh-huh. in most games like you know you'll see those you'll see those uh, jokes oh, yeah. about the past couple of games like all these i hate using the term but i'll use it just these white male protagonists and it's like i hate using that cisgender scum oh my god please stop but like <laughs> but just it's not just that it's like i don't care if it's like a guy character i really don't care it's just it's not that there's a lot of guy characters it's that there's not a lot of female characters and i want like strong female characters but it's just and it's not just because like i'm a girl i want female characters it's just you know there's no diversity there's just no i want it too it's like i want something back in the uh one thing about diversity now that i really like uh there's a female character that i really i I think i've said it on earlier episodes about lara croft and the latest tomb raider Mm -hmm. yes i really like oh my god she's she is strong she's powerful she's real she's not like too strong where it's like not realistic, not human. Mm-hmm. She has human elements, but she's able to push those aside to focus on the task at hand. She's courageous. She's strong. She's smart, and she she uh, she's not willing to take things down. No, I love that because you know, or, obviously, like in the early Tomb Raider right. games, she was just See. like a sex symbol. It was so obvious. It, but now in this game, it's like she's not wearing like stupid yeah, outfits. Yeah. It's like she's wearing stuff that you have to wear and she's wearing armor. Like all the characters in Hyrule Wars, like Zelda, she's wearing her, um, it's like almost a like a princess outfit, but it's like armor. It's battle armor. It looks so she's good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing is, um, the thing is about it, uh, like as I was saying earlier, I, I am very proud of the, the like, mm-hmm. I love having that, that kind of option, and none of it feels token either, and that's really, really important. Like, all of these characters are, are, like, strong and diverse, but they're also, like, they fit very, very well. Whereas, like, recently, Mighty Number no. 9, like, one of the girls who's, like, on the development team kind of has an agenda and wants to, like, change, uh, I don't know the, the character's name, I think it's Beck. They want to, he she like wants to change him to a female. Yeah, um, that's garbage. I'm not, and like that, I I don't I'm I don't mind that. that so much. But it, if it's done for the sake of just making it a female, then like that, that's just tokenism. That's that's a lot of older games. Like I said, didn't have a real person as the character. They had a thing, an object, an animal, uh, something that wasn't of this necessarily real world. You know, you didn't have people, and then. So suddenly we were able to put real people in the game put right. characters you know you were able to put like a, a guy jumping around on on, uh, on turtles and mushrooms and it looked like a person it, it, it didn't necessarily have all the same expressions and emotions but it looked like a person to the, the most extent and we just there was an explosion of just like putting people mm-hmm. in scenarios it wasn't really as much a thought like oh we need to have them be this way yeah it just kind of happened like, like that now we're as a as a community we're kind of coming to the point where people are saying like should we consciously change things or should we let creativity be creativity and i'm all in favor of creativity being creativity like letting people don't have don't limit people just because of some abstract reason right. to do with the actual enjoyment of the game but don't 
don't make it your mission to do the opposite. Don't make it your mission to, to, to push that down. Promote promote all types of characters. Promote all types of games. And Zelda you, does that. You can, you can find a lot of creativity through diversity, though. And that's like, I'm not a fan of like what Assassin's Creed did because there's nothing unique about it's any of those four characters. It's the same formula that's been used since Assassin's Creed 1. I play, I just... But that's the thing. I, it's... I'm sick of people Assassin's sick Creed. Of I played for I, I just I was done. Sales, that people don't care as much about the same thing over and over again, and the series is going to die as a result, or it's going to learn to adapt. Nintendo, the, Nintendo the is very good about like, making sure that they're listening to their fans because they know that their fans dictate the sales. And I think that it's I, like I said before, I, I'm really admiring what they what they're doing with taking the time to take out their pride, take out all the the honor and everything, and just listen to what their fans want. Listen to how they can interact with their fans better and give them a more pleasurable experience. Well, this fan wants Chibi Robo too, so there's that. Come on, Nintendo, where is it? And I don't want that. I don't want that AR game. I want like a real divorce simulator 2015. That's what I want. <laughs> we want a lot of sequels. Where's Mother Three, man? I'm still waiting on that. Dude, like speaking of of Mother, I was actually like looking at uh, some of the Smash Brothers trophies of like characters who didn't make it back and like I was reading Lucas's description and it was like so it was so sad it was like Ugh! because it says things like uh, like I don't remember it verbatim but it says something when it was translated it said Lucas was a small young boy who went through so much hardship in his youth but uh, eventually found the courage to uh, you know blah 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 and I bet somewhere I bet he's out somewhere adventuring as we speak and I was like no the, the, the feels the feels yeah yeah, yeah, and, and like saying like for for a lot of mother players, he and Ness will always remain like youthful innocence or something like that. And I was like, oh god, no. But that's the thing about Earthbound that's really her mother is a series really special. It's like its design was went beyond the way it looked. Yeah, it went to like every single item, the way it felt. Um, it was it was essentially childhood. You know, everything was intuitive. Everything really came to you. You, you can look back on the game fondly. It right. wasn't easy. Childhood isn't easy. Growing up is never easy. But yeah, it's yeah. an adventure, and you go on with your friends, or you go alone, and it's... you know people stand in your way. But you know it's all about what you get out of it, the experience. I love those, and like, real, looking fondly like, back on the good times together. Stories, kind of stuff. Like I love stories that just like hit close to home because I feel like we have all had some experiences similar to that. That's just like a real thing. It's a very real. Um, I don't want to say genre, but it's the first word that's coming to mind, so genre. <laughs> well, it's powerful, mm -hmm. because it, it gives us back the reason why we play games in the first place, to, you know, have fun, and to very really explore true. Very true. a yeah. more innocent side I, of ourselves. And the thing with Mother that I really do like, though, is that it looks like it was designed by a child instead of for a child. Like, it, it reminds me of, uh, and like, I, I don't know if you guys watch Zero Punctuation. Oh my god, that, he, that's like, such a, that is such a nostalgia for me. I used to watch Yahtzee all the time. Like, he's fantastic, and he's still great. Like, he, he recently actually covered Earthbound, and he said it, it has the feel of, like, school children making up a, an imaginary game on the playground, and the rules change as you encounter more people, and, you know. And then he says occasionally something really fucked <laughs> up happens, and, uh... <laughs> Like the entire game, like has that dark surrealism, like lying right underneath it, and it's 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 wonderful. Um, it, it's just too bad that it got so panned on like release because 
it's one of those things like Wind Waker it required people to like come back later on and be like okay this actually was pretty yeah for, for Earthbound and Mother 3 um, the way that the story's told and the way that the themes of growing growing up and like everything everything in that game comes together so perfectly through the gameplay um, the music good lord and like every character has meaning yeah. they each have their own lives even on a system with so many limitations the developers were able to make each character feel unique and no two characters despite um, <laughs> despite how similar they might look weren't the same um, they all had their own lives they all had their own families they all had their own quests if you want to say and you were just you were just a part of that world which made the experience very special yeah. see like earthbound is one of my favorite games so but i watched a video i think it was i think it was a game theory video but um he talks about how the theme of growing older and losing the childhood innocence is reflected in the final boss spoilers and it's very but it's very plausible right yeah um it's a very popular And theory. I love how it's plausible <laughs> well, uh, because that's just it so... It looks like you've been adventuring for quite some time. Are you sure you want to, you uh, don't want to take a break? <laughs> and uh, speaking of uh, taking a break, it's getting to that time where we should wrap, wrap things up. Uh, so uh, I've been uh, Adam, as always, and uh, thank you guys for coming on uh, joining the discussion. I had a fun time. Hope you guys did too. Yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, hey, if I'm ever brought back, I'll tell people why uh, Majora's Mask Remake is not a great idea. But uh. <laughs> For more information on Zelda, head over to ZeldaInformer.com to get the latest info, walkthroughs, and fan theories. For all your other video game news, check out GameNesia.com. And if you have any suggestions, discussion topics, or questions, or theme song submissions for the podcast, be sure to send it to us at ZeldaInformerPodcast at gmail.com. That's ZeldaInformerPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. Bye.